Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast, episode 162. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Kurt Curland. I can't see my own name, apparently. Joined by my fellow co-hosts, Zach apparently is back, I guess. You can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at BravZ. George, as always, my typical co-host that likes to actually show up. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. We are talking about our current draft champions league we are doing. It's a 15-team league redraft. Five by five, roto style batting average, the, the traditional roto on NFBC. It's a paid league. It's a $150 buy in. So we, we're putting money where our mouths are, doing some early drafts. We're going to talk, we're going to review the first 10 rounds, discuss our teams, discuss our draft strategy, and take a look at other teams involved. We won't use names, except for one. I might name drop Waxman because he's in our draft. Of course, you can't draft in NFBC and not draft with Zach, apparently. But other than that, Zach wouldn't care anyway. Plus, I want to give him some shit about one of these names. But regardless, we'll get to that. We're going to get to this draft. We're going to talk about, we're going to recap it and talk draft strategy. However, gentlemen, how are you doing? You know what, Zach? You can wait. George, how you doing? <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah, I mean, back-to-back episodes with three of us here together. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you know, it it was like a whole year, but like since the last time we did this and now back-to-back weeks. Hey, we're on a roll. Hell is frozen over. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> but no, it's I'm... good to be back here. Uh, you guys finally convinced me to do one of these DCs, Draft Champions, NFBC. This is a new, a whole new world to me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but me and George are teaming up here, and I like the way this is going so far. So I'm excited to talk about it and kind of recap what's gone on so far. And yeah, you have exactly. You mentioned it. You actually have a really good partner. You guys are splitting a team, and this is a good way for you to get your toes, dip your toes into the water, so to speak, because this is a different format. And not necessarily, not that you don't know Roto, but 
this is 50 rounds. It's what 750 people players overall get drafted. Draft and hold. And it's yep. There's no moves. This is your team. You just set a lineup twice a week and kind of it. It's really fa- it's really friendly to those who enjoy drafting a lot. And they offer DC fifties, which are you know fifty dollar leagues, twelve teamers. A probably a more <laughs> probably a friendlier way to get introduced to NFPC format. But I don't know, man. This is my preferred my preferred league size and type. And a lot of it is because every team's going to have a hole. Now, how you fill the holes later on in the draft will make or break these teams. Obviously, injuries and stuff are going to happen. But it's um, I enjoy the challenge of a deeper format. You can't get by on the hot waiver wire pick. Um, it puts emphasis on your draft. And I, it's a lot of fun for me. I don't know. What are your th- early thoughts? As someone who hasn't done this before, Zach, because there's a lot of people who listen and a lot of people who play other, you know, your traditional 10, 12 teamers. What is your initial thought going in, or at least now that you've had a few rounds in this draft? I mean, it really does emphasize drafting. I mean, a lot of leagues that I play in are, are home leagues with my buddies, um, 10 to 12 league, uh, 10 to 12 teams. And there's waiver pickups, whether it's daily or weekly, there's trades. And this, this is a whole new ball game. I mean, you can't fleece somebody in a trade. I mean, you got it's It's all... From the draft, um, you got to build your squad, and yeah, it's a different format. But uh, me and George, I, I think we we work well together in picking teams. We have another team together, and we've we won last year actually. So we're we agree on a lot of players, um, and yeah, I think it's going well so far. But yeah, I mean, the emphasis is strictly on the draft here, and um, yeah, I mean, you really need to know the player pool pretty well as well. So. And when it comes to like, we'll talk about closers and stuff, but you have to know like, okay, if this guy gets injured, who's next? Or if this guy gets traded and this guy gets traded, maybe this guy will get some saves. Like it depends on how desperate you are yeah. towards the end. So it really pushes yeah. your knowledge. And luckily for you, you have a guy who knows the bullpens way better than me. Yeah. So I actually have to do a lot of homework while George is like, I got my spreadsheet from last year already. Um, <laughs> he knows but, his bullpens. And yes. I mean, this is, this is a very different, format than like a mm-hmm. than a points or categories i mean you you really don't want to be punting any categories here saves and stolen bases you could get away with kind of punting that in a points league it's really not as big of a deal but there is a strong emphasis to secure saves and stolen bases in this type of format so we'll uh we'll go over some teams that have addressed that some that have not addressed that <laughs> it'll be, yeah, part it'll of be that, interesting to see how part- it plays out Part of that too is that you know we're playing for an overall prize as well. You know, um, all these all these DC leagues, all these teams get pulled together for uh, an overall prize as well. So there's also that kind of mindset where it's like you know you can't punt, you you can't punt any any categories if you want to try to compete in the in the overall. Has anybody been successful like punting a category and ultimately winning or no? Very Not unlikely. that I know of. Not that I've, I've never heard of such a case. I've heard, you know, there's teams that maybe like that have won it all that I'd have to actually go look. There's people that are way smarter on this top. I've never looked into the overall because my goal is to ultimately win this individual league. And the overall is secondary. That's what I was going to emphasize that if people come in here and like, oh, I'm going to swing for the fences. And there is a team that did that. And it's so much fun to watch them draft. But I, <laughs> I have at the same time, I have zero confidence in that team. And we'll, we'll discuss that team because they really went for that overall concept. But if you draft for the overall, you're not drafting right. You should still be drafting to win your league because at the end of the day, it's still $1,000 to win. And then the overall is just like, you know, cherry on top. Obviously, the overall would be beautiful. You are, Your goal is to win that. But realistically, you should just set your goal as let me win my individual league and the rest, you know, might just fall in place. You, it's 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 no it's there's, there's a look. 
fantasy baseball doesn't have a lot of luck involved, but when there's an overall aspect, some luck is involved. You know, like the year that Juan Soto came up, and I doubt I doubt many, if any, teams had him up or had him, you know, drafted in these formats. But those that did, that's a huge home run that you hit, and no one saw him doing what he did. You know, his rookie year, so stuff like that you can get lucky. But now people do end up chasing again, and we'll talk about later around draft uh, strategy because in this format, people will chase prospects ever since because of soto basically people always chase that like well what if scenario but sometimes that's not always the case i like to emphasize you know plate appearances and innings and i try to address that early even but again i'm getting way ahead of myself i'm getting so ahead of myself but yes you you hit the nail on the head there's no fab there's no waiver wire there's no trades and because we we do talk about tgfbi which is pretty much it's a similar format in terms of it being 15 teams but I think there's only 30 rounds and there's weekly fab and there's still no trades, but it's still different because you can alter your team and make adjustments. This is one shot. And, and it's, right. it's, so we're just setting lineups pretty much. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of just emphasizes, you know, minimizing, um, you know, the wasted roster spots because you don't get to drop a guy. If he's struggling, you don't get to trade, you don't get to get, you know, you're stuck with what you have. So it's like, if you're waiting on, if you got five prospects on your bench and you took five prospects high, you know, high where you would have needed to take someone who's actually playing and your starter gets hurt, it's like, well, there's a wasted roster spot and you're taking a zero. So, you know, that stuff like that will really hurt you in like this format. Oh, 100%. And then obviously injury prone players like there's, you know, Dave, our, our buddy Dave, we give him so much crap in, uh, and there's like a side chat. We blame Dave for every injury. But um, <laughs> Dave is huge on injury risk and like, you know, assessing that and, you know, not drafting too much of it. And this is especially true in this specific format, because if you're drafting all upside guys chasing again, that overall, it can be your detriment because next thing you know, you're missing half those guys for a third of the year each. And now all those stats that, like you can only pick up off the waiver wire to kind of fill the void. You don't have that option. And the last thing you want is to have to fill it with a, um, I don't know, insert weak side platoon player here at the end of your bench. You know, you don't want that guy who's playing three out of seven games in a week. Like that's your guy, you know, in this format sometime. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. Multi-positional eligibility. I mean, I feel like we're hitting on it. We're hitting on so much, but it's just, I want to introduce this to people because this is such a fun format. Um, I think you can get into a very uh, draft and holds are pretty much the same thing. And uh, Fantrax offers those. And it's the Mm -hmm. same idea. You can get them for cheaper as well if you want a true introduction into this. And the pros for me, the two biggest things I mentioned in the last podcast, one of them being getting myself familiar with the player pool. And what this is doing is helping me with my ranks because it makes me realize who I prefer and don't prefer, not just by ADP, but in general as I build my team who I want to build my team around, how I want to build my team. And that's kind of what I take away from this. And early drafting, the benefit also is that you get a lot of deals. You find out, you get your hands on players going in the five and 600s overall that turn around and be threes and 400s, you know, in about a month or two from now. The cons are more likely for injury, more likely for a player to get signed and ruin another player's opportunity that you might have drafted. So you have to understand the risks both both ways with it. I think there's more good than bad drafting at least one team early because now it's going to give you an idea of how to go on. The problem is, though, George, you can speak to this. How is drafting one team early? It turns into how many teams early? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once you open the floodgates, once you once you break the seal there. And, and yeah, like for me, I, I drafted my first team and then it's like, oh, well, this one's done. Time for another one. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, degenerates. I, I love this format just because I'm going to be straight up. I suck at fab. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge not, fan of it. That's it takes like a lot of dedication and time, and not everybody has that. 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm lazy. I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> now that's always kind of been uh, my my weak spot is you know doing doing being efficient with with Fab and I, I just yeah I, I like drafting I like drafting early and often and so these this format yeah, I, I think to this try, format. it's so tough to do one one league of Fab league or two leagues Fab leagues I, mean, I don't know how some people are doing like. 10 fab leagues like it's so much it's so time consuming to to deal with that it's tough some players some players play in bulk i know football it's a lot easier to play in bulk because there's a lot less moves you need to make a lot less players to go after on the wire but with baseball it is more of a dedication i know some of the better players like some of the guys like you see vlad he'll post his results after every week and all that i think he's like in upwards of eight or or so like fab leagues and i'm like Dude, I I couldn't do more than one or two, honestly. Like I just wouldn't. That's why I do these because um I'm doing the. Ta- I think were you in the tag team last year, George? No, you were right. No, yes. No, not in tag team. <laughs> You're not cool. No, you were in the <laughs> Battle of the Pods uh, league last year. Mm. Was that a DC though? Yeah, it was a DC. Yeah, see, I couldn't even keep up with the Fab, and I had a partner in my league is what I was getting at. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I realized what's for me, what's not for me. I've gotten, and that's another thing. I dropped so many other leagues. And nobody cares. We're like 10 minutes into the podcast. I guess we should get to the players. But I just wanted to touch on this format and how much is detailed in it. So let's talk about the first round. Um, Again, we're not going to talk about names. We leave people's names out of it. But there was, like, I know there was some pitcher list guys that, uh, you know, told us they were in it. Um, But a guy, a good guy who listens to our podcast and a guy who's interacted with me for years on Twitter, uh, Richard Sands, you've probably seen the name. He's in this league. He's, He's drafting... Uh, he? right around yeah he's drafting right around me won't again won't say uh his team because mm-hmm. it's like an unwritten rule I've, I've learned but anyway um back to what why are you why are you counting me down i want to know which one which team uh, oh i'll tell you after <laughs> um blowing up my spot said that. <laughs> you could just said that um and he's he's yeah he's yes he's been dming me like my initial like first five or six picks match his from his last draft like in terms of like build so I'm like, I don't know how I, I hope. Well, either we're both going to be really right or really wrong. Anyway, so first overall, Tatis Jr., no surprise. Trey Turner, second. The first surprise of this draft for me was Vladdy, third. And I just, I think we talked about it. We won't harp on it. For me personally, it's the skill set. I do expect him to be a solid to elite-ish in four of those categories. I just can't come out of the first round without stolen bases or an elite pitcher. That's just what I'm looking for in the first round. Does this? I mean, I think I think Zach was the one that was most likely to draft him early. Is this too early for you now that you've that, seen how this goes? That's probably too early. I agree, guys. Like Ramirez, Bichette, Soto, I would take before him. It's probably a toss up when we get to like Harper or Vlad. So I'd say probably around like six is the ideal spot to take Vlad for me. But um, I think there's some guys that went after him. I would definitely typically take before Vlad. I agree yeah, with you. I like locking in some speed in the first round of possible. And that's why you mentioned Vlad before Bichette. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that either, although I do trust Vlad's hit tool more. It's uh, Bichette. I mean, Bichette's hit tool is great too, but he's a little more free swinging, more willing to chase a little bit. But there's also stolen bases there, at least like 20 to 30, you know, and Vlad doesn't give you that. And anyway, uh, Soto went fourth. Jose Ramirez to me fifth. I was in heaven. Y'all know I was like, yeah. there's no way he falls to me because I was just good talking pick. about it on last episode. Well, good pick. It was a gift because I mentioned how I'd be willing to take him as early as one overall because third base is really bad. And we'll talk about how bad when you see someone like this guy who goes early third is blowing my mind, but I get it. Um, Bichette six. Yeah, I'm not so, going to go through every pick. 
But yeah, we kind of we, we kind of really went through like the whole first round in our last episode. Yeah, that's why I'm like ADP. I was gonna skip. But I just want to like just with your team in in particular because you were picking fifth. We mentioned like we love Jose Ramirez. Like I I would take him. You know, top three, top four. I I mentioned like Tatis, Turner, Ramirez, and Bichette. Bichette went right after you. Now, did you like you? We kind of think of you know. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Bichette is gonna hit for a better average and. Mm-hmm. Probably have more count, a few more counting stats sitting on top of that of that lineup in particular. Was for you um, was just the third base for for Ramirez? Is that was that the difference maker for you? But you know, I'm I'm not sure if the show was in consideration for you, but was the third base the difference maker for you? It really was, and that's pretty much all it was. Was um because I do believe Bichette belongs in this conversation, but for me, mm-hmm. third base is so bad. I just like at least it's perceived as being really bad right now. And holy crap, I just saw somebody who went in the ninth that's third base. Wow, that surprises me. Um, but anyway, sorry, I'm squirreling. Yeah, that was pretty much the the, the deciding factor. And and it, my my initial um just to discuss what I was my thought process was it was initially Turner, Tatis, J Ram in order of my queue. And then I had Soto and Bichette. And I think I was texting you guys, I'm not sure who I want between Soto or Bichette because Soto doesn't quite have the steals, but you know what you're getting in the other four categories. Bichette has the better uh, team around him, more slow bases. And now that I've drafted, this is why it's so good to draft. I think I would take Soto more times than Bichette. I would take one. I would take both if I had the chance, you know, to take one or the other. I would definitely mix it up. But Soto, because outfield isn't as deep as it was last year, at least it's at least in my opinion, I don't think outfield's as deep, whereas shortstop is. And we'll talk about my third round pick eventually was a shortstop that fit the need of what I wanted anyway in a shortstop. So I think just looking at how drafts are falling, I'm good with, I'd rather take Soto over Bichette because I can get shortstop with speed in the third. Um, not as good as Bichette, but still a good shortstop when I trust him with a similar skill set. But you guys mentioned, and you guys are drafting from the 10 spot. I'm drafting from the five spot. You guys ended up with Kyle Tucker here, but you guys really were hoping for Bryce Harper, right? Well, it was pretty much, yeah, like um, picking at 10, we kind of know, you know, those, those top uh, power speed options going at the top of the draft aren't going to be there for us. Um, so, yeah, Garrett Cole did go at seven, and then it was Harper, Otani. Uh, we ended up taking Kyle Tucker, um, who I really like, you know, solid across the board, um, you know, 30, 15, good average, should hit, you know, in the heart of that Astros lineup in, in a position to drive in a lot of runs. Um, I think you know, we, we were happy with, with Tucker there, but yeah, Harper, uh, it was basically, we were going to be happy with either Bryce Harper or Kyle Tucker. We did consider, um, Burns as well, who went right after, but we just kind of thought like, okay, maybe we can, uh, cause Cole had been the only pitcher taken at that point without, okay, we let Burns slip by. Maybe we can grab, um, one of the other pitchers uh, coming around. Um, but yeah, Burns goes after Woodruff, uh, goes in the next pick, pick 12, which I mean, I was kind of hoping Woodruff would fall to us in the second, but you know, I I don't hate this pick at Woodruff getting being the third starting pitcher off the board. I don't hate it because um, I do think skills wise, he he's like you know after Burns and Cole, he's right there. Um, yeah, so he he went before Bueller, Scherzer, and we. I'm not surprised. I, I can't say it's surprising. I think there's a clear like top tier of of starting pitching this year. But I'm looking at, like, okay, so beyond the pitchers, obviously there was a run there at the end. Luis Robert was thrown in between. Our boy, our buddy Waxman, of course, took Robert. He lo- but Robert's a really, really fun player. It's just I'm so torn on him in the first round. But the reason why I'm torn on him is because you have options like Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout going 
on the turn to the same team. So right there, you're like, wow, this is polarizing. If you told me a year ago, I'd get Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna Jr. on the same team. That's right. league winning. But people have to remember, Acuna is coming back from ACL. Timeline is unknown. There's a possibility Acuna misses the first month. And Trout is, what, the last time he played 130 games, I think, was like once in the last three or four years. Like, I remember, it's a funny, it's a fun, it's a crazy stat for Trout because everyone thinks of Trout as like, and he is still an elite talent. No one's questioning that. But in Roto, he's not running anymore. And the health is a big question mark. So this turn, as polarizing as it is, I don't like it. Like, it scares me. What do you right, think, so, Zach? Or George, sorry. Yeah, I was going to also Zach talk. My bad. Go ahead, George. <laughs> no, go ahead. You, no, you, go George ahead. is ready to George, talk about George, go ahead. So No, go I was ahead. just going to say, like, when, when that, that turn was made with Cunha and Trout, like, our immediate, like, my re- immediate reaction was, like, you know, it's, for me, it's hard to take two guys in a draft champions uh, league that you can't, you can't project for 162 games. Um Right. So there's going to be at some point, more than likely at some point, you're going to need to, re, you know, have a replacement in the in the lineup for both of these guys. And, and it's hard to do in a draft champions. you got to make sure that, you know, you have the depth to do that. Um, so they do. I mean, Acuna at 15 is fine, but I might have taken someone that I can trust a little more um, along with them. Same with Trout. I mean, he's fine, but maybe I would have taken uh, Mookie Betts or, you know, something like that. Um, that I know is going to start the season healthy. If they're healthy, like this is a slam dunk start. It's just like, this is one of those things. That, and the, after this start, the way the rest of this team is constructed, which again, we'll get to it's like, yeah. great. This team is so much fun, but Holy crap. Is it scary? But yeah. they, they, they started off with so much risk reward that they should have, they, they could have played it safe. And I think the reason why we're so skeptical of this start is because of how they filled it out. I think you can build a team like this, with somewhat success, but you have to be understanding that this is kind of boomer bust at this point. You're starting off with obviously the potential that they offer, but at the same time, Acuna and Trout can be legitimately like we saw what happened last year. You know what I mean? And Acuna might not even play a full season as it is built in to what's probably likely lesser, less of a running. I thought he's going to run as much given the ACL and all that, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it weird to see Zach Wheeler again? Uh, this Zach Wheeler was a third pick of the second round. So does that put him uh, about 18th overall? I, I know Wheeler is deserving of it, but I, it's, it's weird. You know what I mean? Am I the one that feels weird seeing him there? But I, I, I he deserves to be there type of thing. Wheeler's going before DeGrom. It just doesn't really well, make a well, ton do you of think sense. DeGrom's healthy? Do you really think DeGrom's healthy, Mets fan? No. And <laughs> it's somebody that we discussed in the second round, but we just we didn't feel comfortable with that much risk. I mean, we're trying to mitigate as much risk as possible here. I mean, Acuna was in consideration at pick 10 for us, but we just felt like Kyle Tucker was just a much safer pick. And with this much money on the line, uh, we want to try and reduce the risk and just try and play it as safe as we can. So I think we did that with Tucker. And I mean, Acuna in spring training, I mean, if we hear reports about his health and if if it's positive reports, I mean, he's going to climb up in the first round here. And that just looks like a steal getting him at 15. Um, but we'll have to wait a few months for that. But yeah, I mean, Wheeler in the second, I'm surprised. This, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. I mean, he had a great season. He's become a workhorse in Philly. Um, he's almost a guarantee to go 200 innings at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great bet in the second round. It's just surprising considering where we were last year, seeing Jacob deGrom's first half. Oh, how the tables have turned. But uh, oh. 
in the grand scheme of things, I'm really not that surprised to see Wheeler up there. He's got amazing stuff and put together a great season. And and as as much as I hate to admit, it, I just I really like what Waxman did with his first two picks. Here. I, I like it too. I like yeah. this team up until a certain point. We'll talk about it. And not that I'm against it, but I actually really like his team to to a point. Um, we're gonna have to iron out some kinks when it comes to drafting together, but because we're gonna be sharing a team again this year, I have some making up to do. Uh, but Degrom, going back to Degrom, and we had two teams, and we'll talk about your pick here in a second. But we had two teams go pocket aces. Uh, George, what are your thoughts on pocket aces this year? I think that um, I don't really mind it. The only thing is, I think like the middle tier of pitching is so strong. Like after these first two rounds, I, I think like in the next like three, four rounds, I think it's still very strong where I don't think pocket aces is is necessary um, when you have like these solid hitters, like some guys that went after like Mookie Betts went after um, team 14 that went pocket aces with Bueller and Scherzer, um, you know, Betts went after Devers, Machado, uh, Freddie Freeman. Um, so I don't think it's I, I don't think it's necessary when there's so much talent in the hitting in these first two rounds and, and the middle tier pitching is so strong. I think you kind of, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. I'm with you. And I was just curious. Cause I think last year was the year to do it. And then this year is like, just, it's almost weird. Cause like last year outfield was like, Oh, don't touch an outfield early. You know, it's deep. And now this year it's like, outfield's not so deep anymore, especially when speed. And that's something that we noticed in this, in this particular draft speed got pushed up so much. A lot of the speed comes from outfielders that, the outfield thinned out pretty quick. And now we're already, I think, 30 or so outfielders deep. <laughs> it's like shortstop, second base, and like third base is really just screwed. But um, yeah. what I was gonna say, DeGrom, I, I wrote it down. I was trying to show you my notes, but I realized I have chicken scratchy on this on the, that DeGrom, you know what DeGrom reminds me of, and you're gonna hate this, Zach. Do you remember 2019 Chris Sale where he's like, Oh, I'm fine? He started pitching through spring training and it didn't work out for him. And next you know, he has Tommy John and he's making he just made a return. That's what that reminds me of. Oh, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine. His, the next thing you have diminished velocity, diminished control, and you're on the diminished list for a year and a half. Um, yeah, that's what scares me about the Grom. So I have, because I there was a team that I I managed to win my league that year in the Draft Champions League, but it was Mike Trout. I had, um, no, it wasn't Mike Trout. It, no, it was a Mike Trout lead league, but it had Chris Sale, and Chris Sale hurt that team that was initially competing for like to at least cash in the overall, and it just fell off towards, it tailed off in that um, in that season. So. Uh yeah. Things were very shady in the second half with DeGrom and how that whole situation was handled. Like every uh, other start. <laughs> it's pretty much just everything with the Mets, just medicals. It's shady. Um they just but, let the players make it up. Like, all right, well, I'm good. And this, you know, I'm tearing a lot off my body. Cinderella. I mean, I don't I don't know if anything was ever fully reported as to what his injury was. Was it a partial it may have been a partial UCL tear and they were trying to keep it hush hush. I don't know. And Lourdes Gurriel actually just got picked here. Yes. And we were talking about me and George were talking about him before you got on that. We Sorry, both George. Like, no, we, well, we both like <laughs> Gurriel. It was a, um, the problem is, is he's in the bottom half of that lineup and goes back to securing at bats. It sucks. It just sucks. Cause I, he was, he, he was my fallback outfielder, by the way. Like if I don't get one of my catchers here, but uh, so uh, back to your pick. So you guys had the 10th pick. So on the way back, you had like the fifth pick, right? One, two, three, four, sixth pick. Um, Mullins, you guys took Cedric Mullins. You guys are in on him after that breakout year. Yeah, I mean, we were trying to emphasize speed early. We actually got sniped on Mookie Betts. We were really hoping that Betts was going to fall to us. Wow. <laughs> Dude, 
Okay. <laughs> Blake uh, Trinan like, just got yeah, picked. Blake Trinan just got picked. Last pick of the 10th round. Somebody is a Dodgers fan. Look at their last three picks. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> He's serious. the closer as of right now. Um, is he the but, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, we, we were planning to take Mookie Betts here in a second, but he got picked right before us, so we pivoted. I think Machado was in consideration here, maybe Freddie Freeman, but ultimately we went with Mullins. Ideally, didn't want to stack outfielders with our first two picks, but we figured, you know what, it's not that deep of a position, so we're confident that we could see similar production uh, with Mullins compared to last year. I don't know if we'll see 30-30, but I guess 20 stolen bases is is a is a solid floor for that. And combining Tucker's stolen base floor with Mullins, I feel like that was a, a solid first two picks to secure speed, which is going to be tough to come by for some teams here. Yeah, and you you see um, third base, again, going back to how shallow it is, the next two picks right behind you were Devers and Machado. Um, for me, it's Machado than Devers, but they are both second-round picks because third base mm-hmm. is that bad. Uh, DeGrom got paired with Cole, and uh, I feel like that was a like you already had Cole. Why take on the risk with DeGrom? Why not build upon that solid start? That's just how I'm looking at that particular um spot. Because again, DeGrom, I, I had again those 20, the, it was I think it was, it was 2019 that Chris Hill was out for the year, right? Uh, with, with the I'm pretty sure I'm like mixing up, or was it 2020? I don't remember. He you didn't play 2020, now. he didn't play 2020 at all. I know, right? So I feel like 2019 was maybe towards the end of the year. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it was towards it the end of it was towards the end of 2019, and then he okay. missed all of. Yeah, and he was just never good that year. That's the thing. I remember having Chris Sale, and he was just never good, and it pissed me off. Like he wasn't himself. But anyway, back to um that the drafts. We're only in the second round, of course. Charlie <laughs> Marte goes right before me, and I, we were talking about him. Like I just I refuse to draft him because he's a Met. Plus, realistically, mm-hmm. um, career realistically, over. Oh, I just don't like players on a new team for the first year. I mean, it worked out for Marte last year. It wasn't the first year with the Marlins, but he went did not work A's. out for Lindor last year. It did not work out for Lindor last year. Machado and Harper, those first years for them, et cetera, et cetera. But um, a lot of that also is um, injury history. He's another year older. I wasn't sure if I could trust him to run as much. Regardless, um, I have my issues. I have my concerns with Marte, but I get it with speed. And Freddie Freeman fell to me at 25. And when I saw that, it was like an instant pick. Looking yeah. back, I almost wish I didn't take him. And not because I don't think the skill set is great. I think he is a poor man's Guerrero. And if I can get Guerrero, if I can get Freeman almost almost a full 30 picks later, I, I would do that every time. But Freeman doesn't usually fall as far. Regardless, um, I thought it paired well with Jose. It, get, it, it fixed that batting average that Jose can be a question mark at. So Freeman, Jose, Ramirez, I love that pairing. But it left me light on speed. And pitching, like looking back now at what was available, I could have. I mean, Hendricks went right after that. I don't know if I would have taken a closer that early, but Aaron Nola was one of the pitchers at the top of my board. Julio Urias, those were like the two top guys. Maybe I should have gone with a starting pitcher there because first base is kind of deep this year. But um, I really like Freeman falling to me there to pair with him. And the next pick was Liam Hendricks. Are either of you taking a closer in the second round? Because right now, Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader, who went early third, are the two guys going like in this range and I don't see it stopping. Yeah, no, it feels this early. Is, this is where they're going. Um and in this yeah, format. In this format, this is yeah, this is where they're going. Uh so you're looking at, you know, teams in this um this first like, you know, three, four, five teams, uh top those top teams, like they're they're 
that's where you're seeing the closers go at this turn more often than not. And I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily hate it. Um, I would prefer like in the middle of the third, I guess. But I mean, it's yeah, it I'm shows probably... on this draft board that you can still get quality closers, job security yeah. in like the fourth, fifth round. Just got to got to anticipate a closer run happening at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand it. I just don't think I'm I can ever do it. Like, I don't mind. Like you're seeing, like we, our team, we got Ryan Presley in the fifth. I have absolutely no problem with Ryan Presley in the fifth and a better hitter in the second, you know, like you, you took Presley. That was my top target that round too. Yeah. Like, like, I think to me, Presley's the, to me, Presley's the third, the third best closer to me right now. I have Iglesias ahead of him still. I, I get it. But I mean, Iglesias has had his ups and downs. Um, Presley didn't have the best second. It wasn't a bad second half, but it was like a mid three ZRA second half. I happened to look again. I was doing my little bit of homework. Iglesias finished strong, whereas Presley kind of finished mediocre-ish, like in comparison to his first half. That's the only reason why I, I'm like, that's what gave me the edge. Like, I think they're both top four guys. Yeah. But it was like, I have, you know, it's preference. I'm nitpicking the with the relief pitcher guy right now. Anyway. It's also, <laughs> it's not like Hendricks and Hader, granted they're fantastic pitchers. It's not like they are the the only guy in their situation, and there's not some minor questions. Like Hendricks, we have, obviously, right now, Kimbrell is still there. It's possible they didn't like the way that Kimbrell was used last year. They knew that it didn't work out. Maybe you see Kimbrell get a few safe chances if he is there. Hater, lefty, they like bringing him in possibly before the nine sometimes. He's a lefty. Maybe they play the matchups. You got Devin Williams and some other good guys in the pen. So it's not like they're the, I mean, they're probably the two elite closers, but they aren't in maybe the best situations. Granted, they're winning teams, but there are other guys that could vulture some saves. And yeah, I mean, they're just trying to win the game. They don't care about fantasy baseball, these teams. So maybe they bring them in in the eighth to face the the top of the order or something. Yeah, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that and say you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna push <laughs> screw, back. Screw both of you. But <laughs> it's okay because that's uh, that's what we're here for. Um, but regardless, though, like those guys, I, I agree. Though I I think I don't think the separation in those two and the next two for me again in, in Iglesias and Presley are like and Iglesias went late third to mm-hmm. again Zach, which pissed me off because Zach took two closures I had, but. Well, Iglesias, I was trying to play the ADP game. I thought I was pushing my luck. I didn't think he'd fall back to me, but I don't. I didn't see him as a third round guy. But I can, I get it. Like late, late third, given how the other two are are, um, are being drafted, I understand Iglesias going there. But I don't think he's deserving of going two rounds ahead of Presley. That so if that's gonna if that's how it's gonna fall most drafts, yeah. I think I'm just gonna be getting a lot more Presley, a lot more Diaz. And... It also depends where you're picking, because like with yes. with uh, with Zach with with Waxman. If you're picking at the end, you know, you're picking like oh. near that near that turn. Mm-hmm. At well, the, it did make at, sense. Right. At the three, four turn, if you know that you want a top closer, you're probably not gonna get one at the end of the fifth. If you're looking oh, if you want if you want one of those top five guys, if you want um, you know, after Hendricks and Hader, if you want an Iglesias, a Presley, a, or a Diaz or a Classe, you're it, it's very unlikely that you're one's going to fall to you at the end of the fifth um, as far as like what we're seeing in drafts right now. So if you want one of those guys, you have to take them either in in the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth. And just depending on, you know, what your team needs and what your projecting is going to be there, you know, um, at the other side of the turn, like, so like he took Iglesias and Freddie Peralta. 
I mean, maybe he was happy taking, um, you know, whatever starting pitcher was there. And it's like, okay, I got to get my closer here. So I totally get that. Don't, don't mind the like Iglesias pick at all right there. That's just kind of what you have to do. Got to go get your guy. I I agree. And it makes sense because being on the turn like that, he's not, he's taking Iglesias and willing to take whatever falls to him. That's all that was like, it, you right. could have, you could you could flip off his picks and it would have made sense, but he took Iglesias and was willing to take, I guess, one of like you know whichever starting pitcher fell maybe, or maybe he wanted a Rosarina and he just fell back on because this this round pissed me off because I really wanted Freddie Peralta. I knew you guys were taking Logan Webb, but if you guys didn't take mm-hmm. Logan Webb, I wanted Webb, and then it felt so you guys ended up getting oh you, we skipped your third round pick we skipped a lot in the third round. <laughs> right, I want to go back and talk about some of this. We, we have to fly here a little bit, but Austin Riley. Uh, 31st overall, I can't get behind that. I think we might have yeah. seen his career year in terms of batting average, but the power is yeah. legit. You know, he made legit strides and gains, but Austin Riley, I can't, I, he is my number four third baseman, but at this cost, I won't have any shares. Right, yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I get third base is shallow, but you're passing up, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, Tim Anderson, Bogarts, Story, uh, Semien. You're, yeah, <laughs> you're, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and like, so you took Anderson, uh, with your third round pick, which I, I like too, you know, pairing, you know, hit between him Ramirez and Freeman. That's, that's a solid hit yeah. base, right? And I was torn there and Robbie Ray went right before me. Alcantara went after that and Lucas Giolito, which I actually like Giolito above all those guys, those three. So Giolito was, it was between Giolito and Tim Anderson for that spot, because I'm like, I really want, I really like coming out of my first three rounds with an ace. I still figure, I still see Giolito as that strong, you know, I, I feel confident in him going out except for day games. And Giolito was the guy I was like, I really want, but I'm like, man. And the thing in my thought in my head, I'm like, let me, I'm looking at ADP. I'm like, maybe story or Rosarina or O'Neill will fall back to me. And that would be my guy for speed next round. And then the, it played out. None of them story went, which we'll talk about in a second um, story <laughs> went. And then shortly after, so did um, what where was the other one? <laughs> um, so did Rosarina early in the fourth. And then O'Neal made it, didn't even make it back to me in the, in the fourth. And all and O'Neal and Rosarina had ADP, I think, right around or right, right after my pick. So it goes to show you, you can't bank on ADP, especially in these formats. So taking Tim Anderson ended up working out for me because I didn't have to chase speed like others did. I think chasing speeds would push these guys up. But Story had the lowest ADP of all of them. I know you guys liked them, but I still thought, like, I'm like, I'm like him or Rosarina, like, one of them probably going to follow me. They both have ADPs over 50, blah, blah, blah. There's a good chance, and neither one, none of them did. So taking my going with my gut and just getting the speed in the third round really helped. But go ahead, talk about Trevor Story, guys. Uh, what what's so <laughs> upsetting about Trevor Story? Yeah. So I mean, after we when we took Cedric Mullins, and we were hoping that so we were hoping that there would be a pitcher there, and specifically Sandy Alcantara or Lucas Giolito. That's yeah. kind of who were you know either one of those two guys. We're hoping to get our pitcher there in the third. And so after Sandy and and. Uh, and Giolito go uh, between between our picks. He, they went right after you. We're like, okay, you know what's left on the board. We're here at pick ten. Um, you know we could we could you know add on to our power speed here. And and uh, yeah, Story was our our number one target. Uh, once he he was taken right ahead of us. Uh, yes, you know nice. I mentioned <laughs> I, yeah I mentioned last week. You know how much how much I I still really like Story. How much of a value I thought he was. So. Um, he gets taken, and so yeah, we went ahead and we took Marcus Semyon, uh, which I don't mind here in at the near the end of the third. I, I really don't. He's gonna lead off in Texas. You, you know, he's probably you know, he's always a good bet for you know to be among the top in plate appearances. Um, 
power speed there. You know how much they love to run. So yeah, we added Semi in there. And and again, it was one of those situations where it's like, okay, what do we think's gonna be there at the at the turn? Um we knew, okay, after this, we're going to need some pitching. So, yeah, we took Semyon. Um, and sh- second base shortstop eligibility, you know, multi, multi-position multi eligibility definitely doesn't hurt in this format. So, um, yeah, then it comes comes around. We were debating. We were, we were hoping that one of Logan Webb, Freddie Peralta, and uh, or Kevin Gosman would be there. Um, sure enough, you know, uh, Bieber, Iglesias, Flaherty, and Peralta were the four pitchers taken. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we went and got Webb. Um, which I mean, you know, I, I've spoken about him before where, you know, we obviously love the skills. Um, I'm not concerned at all about the workload. It's just, if he can, you know, if he could do it again, we saw the skills there, um, has, you know, elite ground ball rate. Uh, he's, he gets the whiffs, uh, he, and he's going to be, you know, though he's going to be the ace for the giants. I mean, they, they don't have anybody else who is going to be that, like, no, you're going to take the ball every fifth game, right? Like that's, that's Logan Webb. Um, you know, Gosman left. They did bring back Descafani and Wood, uh, but they're not exactly that top of the ro- th- those top of the rotation guys. Hey now, Tony Disco's an ace, all right? <laughs> hey, I, I, mean, never... I, I love Tony Disco. I love Tony Disco. Just don't, but, uh... just not against the Dodgers. Don't start him against the Dodgers. <laughs> exactly. That's... But yeah, uh, are you um... concerned about Webb's home road splits? Because I know there's like a huge, you know, just like it's typical though. Like Mad Bum for years had really good homes numbers because it's a pitcher's park but then on the road Webb had a little, like he had a four it was like a over four era but you know he got, he got a little unlucky strand rate was low you know below average the all the indicators suggest that Webb should have been at least a run better on the road so i'm not i'm personally not too concerned but obviously people need yeah. to understand that maybe if he has two tough road matchups i mean i, I wouldn't sit him but it wouldn't be crazy too is kind of the point like if he's facing the dodgers and at colorado and colorado does add pieces it could be a, a bumpy outing maybe not bad you just have to understand that with web because that's just kind of normal for giants pitchers but it's a minor a minor you know tip uh, nitpick at your guy because i just want to okay you taking web from me <laughs> yeah so. um so yeah that's what i mean we, we like the start of our draft tucker mullen Simeon, uh, logan dude this guy just took his fourth dodger in a row um <laughs> yeah such a homer pick <laughs> but Damn. i mean I'm, I like that pick though because uh, it was Chris Taylor first he pick of the eleven. The reason why I like him is because of the multi-position eligibility. But um, so you know, fast forwarding, but Buxton O'Neill again, all my speed options I might have wanted on the way back Lindor all went before me, and I'm like, okay, I finally need a starting. I definitely need a starting pitcher, and I didn't want Kevin Gosman. With um, after the sticky stuff went away, you saw him tail off in the second half. I don't know what they're gonna do, uh, and he's going to a new team. I, I just didn't want, I was trying not to get Kevin Gossman. And I was like, I'll take Chris Sale. I really, I, he came back. He showed kind of who he, you know, the strikeouts weren't exactly what they were prior to him, you know, leaving. But he still came back and put up a 10.97 K per nine, a 21.9% uh, walk, walk, a K minus walk rate for Chris Sale. And he put up, you know, nine starts, 42 innings, five wins. You know, he he showed to be himself, a, a you know, a low three RA with mid three indicators. So Chris Sale, I'm like, I'm willing to take a shot here. I think we can get 130 to 150 good innings out of him. But let's be honest, I didn't feel comfortable with him. And the problem is, is again, I was happy with my Tim Anderson pick because of all the stuff that didn't make it back to me. But I really wanted to close. I didn't want to come out of the fourth or fifth without a closer. But once I got, once I took Chris Sale, I was like, I gotta pass on closers. And then. Class A was taken before me. He was taken at the end of the fourth. And I'm like, oh, 
All right, I don't want to really like I liked Presley. So you like you mentioned you guys got them kind of can skip on that one, but you guys took Presley, so it worked out for you guys. But I'm like, let me just get someone I know that's unless barring his first ever real injury, Jose Barrios was there, and I really liked how he finished strong with Toronto, Toronto being a pitcher's park now because of the humidor and all that. So I took his uh division foe in Jose Barrios to pair with Chris Sale. I'm like this just makes sense. No, it made, it made a ton of sense. Why not? But the problem is, is, again, it's all about building teams. So I got innings. I got, I got, and strikeouts are hard to come by, especially in the later rounds. So I wanted to get somebody with strikeout upside. So sale made sense. But, dude, it hurts so bad to pass on all these damn closers because I really want to Ryan Presley. But, I started going right after you. Picked yes. Too. So, of course, I take Jose Brios in five, round five. He's always going to be in that area. He's such a solid guy. Um, Real Muto for, uh, was the first, second catcher off the board. Salvi came off in the third. Uh, then Edwin Diaz, Ryan Presley, and then Kenley Jansen, all uh, all the rest of that Will round. Smith too. Oh, Will Smith, yeah, I missed him. Four closers went that round. So I'm thinking round six, all right, cool, I'm definitely getting a closer here. There's no talking me out of it. I go to bed early. My queue is set up. <laughs> I had I had Chapman, Gallegos in my queue, and then Romano. I was lucky enough to get Romano because <laughs> you guys freaking took Chapman. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, you know, we we touched on our Presley pick here in, in the fifth, just knowing that we wanted a solidified safe source. And um, speaking of safe sources, Camila Doval just went second. Which should have gone before round. Blake Trin. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I, I was like, he should have gone before Blake Trinan. But yes, Camila Doval just went second pick of the um, round. Yeah. So we, we took Presley in the fifth and then came back around to us. And Aroldis Chapman's still there. And Zach and I kind of talked about it. Like, you know, if Chapman's still there, do we go, do we double tap closers here and, and take, you know, two, two top guys that, that we know have the job and, and kind of, um, so we went ahead and, and we took Chapman. I think with that, I mean, you, we really don't have to worry about saves at this point, um, you know, down the road where we would have to take a, you know, a bunch of speculative, speculative, spec. Sorry, I can't freaking say it. Speculative <laughs> guys, um, where it's like, okay, you know, three, four guys who may get, you know, 10, 12, 15 saves. Uh, we don't necessarily have to do that. It saves us a few roster spots down the line where we could take, you know, more chances on, um, you know, pitchers we like. And uh, so for, for us, just not having to worry about saves from this point, you know, Presley and Chapman, really no, no concerns with, with those guys. Um, we know Chapman had his ups and downs a little bit last year, but, um, you know, relatively safe, com- com- you know, uh, as far as saves go. So, yeah, we, we double tap closes here with Presley and Chapman. Yeah. And we, I, we were thinking that, you know, we're we, sorry, Zach. Uh, we, we were thinking that, you know, we, we would come around with a, a pitcher. Uh, but sure enough, like nine out of the neck, like one, two, three. Eight in a row. Like, there was a huge, huge pitcher. We run started that, a nice little went. pitcher run there. <laughs> yeah. Hated you for it. Eight in a row. But. At the end of the fifth, the last pick of the fifth round was was Baez, and that was somebody that I think was on our radar. If he made it back to us, we may have pulled the trigger on Baez. Um, and Chisholm. Baez and Chisholm. And, they went to the uh, same team. Team 15 took uh, at the turn. <laughs> Baez we, and I was going to revisit them here shortly, actually. because yeah. we, we didn't talk about their third and fourth round picks to go with Acuna and Trout, and I think that's like one of the more interesting things about this podcast yeah. is this yeah. team. Forgot Acuna, Trout, Mondesi, Mondesi. <laughs> Flaherty, Baez, Chisholm. Dude. <laughs> so Mondesi and Trout was like last year people were doing that like in the first and second. And look how it turned out. Mondesi ended up stealing enough bases to be relevant again. 
But realistically, look how it turned out. It just didn't work out well for you. So what do you do? You take Trout Mondesi on the discount and pair it with Acuna and Jack Flaherty, who when Jack Flaherty came back from the injury the first, like towards the end of the year, looked really good for a couple starts before ultimately not pitching again um, the rest of the year, if I remember correctly. So then yeah. you take all that risk and you add Javi Baez and his swing and misses, but you know, the high, you know, you're getting the home runs and stolen bases, but more risk. And then Jazz Chisholm, who I really like him in terms of upside and potential, but that th- this team doesn't need more risk. So it's just this team is so much fun, but holy risk, you know, like, yeah, this, and they don't this, have a this team's, through, I mean, this team uh, has a floor that it's like underground. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's it, in triple it's, A, yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of touched on it with, with uh, Acuna and Trout. I mean, now you're talking about Mondesi here as well. I mean, you're compounding so much risk and maybe this is something that maybe a lot of teams fall uh, a trap that a lot of teams fall into is shooting for that overall where it's like well the time that acuna trout and monacy anytime they're gonna miss like now you can't pick up any there's no waiver wire you can't pick anybody up so not only like you have not not only do you have to draft like depth like but now you're missing out on on depth that you might need elsewhere like at pitching you know like you have to have that depth to fill in um if and when these guys miss time because uh, otherwise you're taking a zero and all that upside you thought you were getting now it's a zero yeah and actually speaking of a guy that's like a risk people view chapman as a risk at relief pitcher i'm pushing back a little bit i know he had his struggles right after the ba- the sticky stuff ban but i don't know if people mm-hmm. under like realize how good he was in like september october right the, wall- the walks were still an issue but the walks got better each of the last you know each month after july july they were eight per nine and they they dropped like in half. The strikeouts made their way back up to sixteen point eight per nine. Uh, so he was able to get back there. But the thing is, his FIP and XFIP were you know low threes, high twos. The ERA in September October was a uh, two point oh three. But this was after you know a four ERA in July, a three point three eight. So he progressively got better. He was a little shaky, but Chapman did ultimately bounce back. And I think they're gonna have some sticky stuff on the ball this year. I don't think Chapman's done, so I like he was actually the top of my queue for closers because Jordan Romano scares me. <laughs> like I, I want to believe that he's the guy, but somebody tweeted at me and it made me laugh because I'm like, oh, I can't wait, it's gonna happen. Romano Berrios is gonna throw like eight strong, you know, one run, two run, two run game. Romano's gonna come in, it's gonna be three to two, and Romano's gonna blow the save. I get no win, no save, and blown up ratios, and it's gonna happen. It's gonna piss me off. But I'm also afraid the Jays are actually going to trade for a closer. Like they, like if they went out and got Kimbrel, that wouldn't surprise me. And that's that scares the living crap out of me. But anyways, the rest of this, this I'm trying to think of for the rest of this. Oh, Bobby Witt went in this round, like 78th overall or something like that. We talked about like which one is that? Um, I think it's like 78th overall. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the pick live on here on on the top. Yeah, I hope you do. Like maybe Joe Ryan just went. I know I really wanted Joe Ryan, but I couldn't justify it. But so. Right now, so Bobby Witt, and this is the first pick of Zach's I didn't care for because he had a he had that core of pitching with Wheeler, Iglesias, and Peralta. I like that core. He had Will Smith, so he had a catcher. Will Smith, the catcher. So he had his one catcher. It's a two-catcher format. Luis Roberts, so he had some speed. Witt was a huge upside play here. And I understand shooting for upside, but I feel like a team with, you know, like mine, Jose Ramirez, Freddie Freeman, Tim Anderson, that's the type of team, if you're going to shoot for upside with a Bobby Witt, you put it on a team like that that has a base. His offense doesn't really have a base yet, so he just shot for upside before building the base. And that's where I know I think he just wanted some exposure to Bobby Witt, and he knows he wouldn't have got him back on the way on the way around. I was talking right. to him about it. 
so he knows I disagree with this pick already. But it's basically it's basically like you're shooting, and right now at that price, it's almost like you're paying for ceiling. Like, what do you really like? Realistically, best case scenario, what 250, 25, and fifteen in terms of home runs and stolen bases for Bobby Witt, and that would be that would be well worth this cost. I understand that, but I think that's still you're hoping for best case scenario. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm afraid because I don't like betting on prospects slash rookies in this format specifically yeah yeah that, that might have been a pick where it's like you kind of just hope that he, he would have fallen to what would have been 103 um but yeah he was he likely wasn't gonna fall i mean i i kind of get it. if he really wanted wit he would have he needed to take him there but yeah mm-hmm. i mean all indications are that he's gonna get every opportunity to win that third base job out of spring so i mean if he does start the season at i mean having third base and shortstop eligibility was huge um oh, for sure but yeah, it is, I, it is it's I get it. It's just, I didn't like it for this specific team build. It was just again this specific. Look at this team and how it's built. No, you're like absolutely how, right. I didn't like how he feels. I feel like he has to. He needs wit more than wit being a luxury. And I know no, almost no matter where you're going to draft wit, it's not going to be much of a luxury. But I think there are better ways to build for a Bobby Witt team. Right, because his his only two hitters at that point were Lu, uh, Luis Robert and Will Smith, who's a catcher. Yes, I mean, you know, so I mean, I I absolutely get what what you're what you're saying. I mean, as your third hitter, I, yeah, um, not necessarily <laughs> a build where I would have taken wit as well. Yeah, that's but, why, and he he knows how I feel, and he, but he and but you know, Zach's also in forty drafts, so the guy, you know, he mixes and matches his team builds and all that. <laughs> yeah, it makes true. sense, like he's taking a chance, but he did he ended up getting some value in like Jesse Winker later on and stuff. So he's you know he's building that base around it now. But um, anyway, I digress. Yeah. I do like his team overall, though. I really do. I did that one pick really throws it off for me a little bit at the moment. But the way things are falling, it might turn out to be not so bad for. Him. Um, but let's get back to so, our team. So you guys are sitting here, two closers, a starting pitcher, some power and speed, pretty much at the, out of the top three, and you guys go with Carlos Correa in the seventh. Which I forgot. I skipped my seventh round pick, but we'll talk yeah. about Carlos Correa real quick. Why did you guys go Carlos Correa in this specific? Um, sorry, my pick is up. We'll talk. We'll get to that in a second. But why did you guys go Carlos Correa here? So I mean, there were a few guys in consideration right here. We were kind of looking at middle infield, shortstop, and Willie Adamas actually went right before us um, with the ninth pick in the seventh round. And then we were between Correa and Seager. Uh, we were kind of going back and forth. Um, we both are big Corey Seager fans, but. I think the possibility of Correa being on a better team, I think a lot of playoff teams are interested in him at this point. So I think that was a plus. I think the possibility of him moving to third base for one of those teams is a plus. And the fact that he showed that he stayed healthy last year was a positive as well. And I think just the the Rangers and the ballpark, ballpark factors for Seager, we didn't love. So I think that kind of... Uh, swayed us to go with Correa. So I think overall, I like that pick. I'm surprised that Adamas went before Correa and Seager. I think that was pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, Adamas did hit like, I, I have like, I just looked at his splits on so long ago. He got traded on May 21st, and Adamas put up like 20 home runs, four stolen bases, hit like 280, like during that span from May 21st on. And hit, like, he basically was Corey Seager from that point yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. He was. and he had, But with, with the potential to steal more for Adamas. So I, mm-hmm. I do think the conversation is there. Now, would I have done that? I don't think so. But because like I, we could see Corey Seager maybe fall into a few more steals being on Texas now. They like to run. 
I mean, I don't know how much they want to push him with his injury history, but maybe they let him run a little more. Maybe he does get that handful of steals, which then takes that gap between Seager and Adamas away because I think Seager, we all think Seager's the better hitter. There's no real arguing that. It's the, it's the fact that Adamas proved more than capable of being a really good hitter for a sustained period with the Brewers, and he gets to go back there for another year, and that ballpark is amazing and all the other stuff, but that division's trash too. Um, whereas Seager's now in a really bad hitters park for home runs, I believe. Oh, no, I think it was weird. I was I was listening to Rates and Barrels. I think home runs was like the only thing that it was good for. It was weird. It was a weird split. I thought. I thought. I wish I can memorize it. It caught my attention though because they were talking about John Gray, and that's why I remember. I remember some stab. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm rambling at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but let's rewind real quick to my pick. Where at this point, so I have a closer, two starters. And then my, you know, my base, I'm like, I, I want some more speed here, but I'm like, I really need an outfielder. I don't want to sacrifice power yet, or batting average yet. So Chris Bryant isn't usually a guy I go after, but in the seventh round to pay, to kind of bring it, he's kind of like a five category ish guy. Like he's going to give you a decent batting average floor, some pop 25 to 30 home runs. And last year, I think he stole 10. So I think you can expect another, you know, eight ish stolen base season out of Chris Bryant. Why not? So he's not hurting me anywhere. And he has that third base eligibility, which again, third base being so bad, I now have a guy who can play third base and outfield, two of the more shallow positions, I, at least I, as I perceive as shallow. And I'm like, I'm just going to grab him here. He fits my team in terms of not hurting me anywhere, chipping away at the steals a little more while kind of being all-encompassing and having that eligibility. So I think I think it made sense for my team. I do think I, I think I need to make a move here for speed and power soon, though, because I feel like I'm kind of sitting in the middle of both. Right, you're on the clock right now. I am on the clock. So oh boy. saying all Walk so saying all it. that. So saying all that, I'm looking at my team and I'm like, I need power, and there's a catcher that's available at 155 that I don't think should, and he, he fits it. I mean, I've built I've built up my batting average pretty well. Um, the catcher I'm looking at is Yasmani Grandal. He would be the sixth catcher off the board right now. And I don't think there's much better of a fit for my team. I get my first catcher, so I already have an advantage at catcher. I also get that power that I feel like my team could use, and it's a middle-of-the-order bat, so I know I'm going to get RBI as well as runs in that lineup. So I think Grandall is a slam-dunk pick for this team. That's who I just took. Yeah, and really, really good really good price for Grandall, 155 overall. And, and this is after, again, the reason why I needed offense is because I, I bolstered up my pitching, which we'll get to my pitching a little. Uh, we'll speed up this a little bit, but we'll get to my pitching. Yeah, we could just rounds. talk about our, our yes, we uh, are. individual picks. <laughs> We're kind of, so uh, we'll go back to you guys. So where are you guys at? You guys picked uh, Seager and – oh, no, that wasn't you. Korea. You picked Korea. JK LOL. So right now, this pick, I did not like this pick of yours. And we talked about this. I did not like these next two picks. I liked one of them more than the other one, but I didn't like them back to back because you don't have a lot of secured innings. So you took Justin Verlander as your uh, starting pitcher number two. And then Nathan Ivaldi, Ivaldi, yeah, what the hell is that? Ivaldi, Nathan Ivaldi <laughs> in the uh, in round nine. So your eight, nine picks were two injury prone pitchers, one that threw the 150 innings for the first time last year since like 2014, I think I told you earlier. <laughs> so I didn't trust the, the volume again. And then Verlander, who didn't pitch last year, coming back from TJ, got signed, but never actually signed. So people are, you know, expect, uh, uh, what's the word? Speculating. speculating yeah is another word you couldn't say earlier um spec people are speculating that verlander might have something wrong with the physical you know what i mean so i didn't like these picks because logan webb was your only starter and then you paired him with two guys that have question marks in terms of what i perceive to be safe 
Now, upside, yeah. yes. And Evaldi is okay. I would like the Evaldi if you got a. I don't strong. <laughs> you didn't get Stroman. Yeah, don't suckers. don't. You, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> you could have though. So, you could have taken Stroman where you took Verlander, and that might have made more yeah. sense. That might have made more sense because I think because yeah. you could have got. I think you'd have gotten uh, Evaldi or even Verlander the next round. Yeah, the thing about Verlander, I mean, here at um, what was it, one ten, one eleven, actually one pick one eleven. Um, I mean, he's going back to Houston, the team who has overseen his rehab. He thinks knows he it, is. <laughs> knows him best no i mean uh, um from from what i've seen i mean he's been on vacation so i, I think it's just kind of he's gonna sign with houston um i wouldn't love my report. vacation short with kate upton to go take a physical either thank you <laughs> yes especially Absolutely. when you're in so. especially when you're late late 30s and you're you already made millions of dollars yeah i get it yeah you're not you're not in a hurry right. to get that money so i mean houston knows him best right they know his rehab best they know his health best they, they're bringing him back. Um, you know, 39 years old is not a it's not a player that you, they're gonna have to hold back and and baby for a year. Um, so I mean, Verlander, yeah, is it a uh, is there risk? Absolutely, but um, I think it's maybe it, kind of weird to say, but one of the safer risks um, with with you know really good upside. So yeah, we took Verlander. We were hoping that Strowman would actually come around. Maybe <laughs> we should have gone Strowman first. Got it. Kind of <laughs> all, all, these guys, all these guys around here have their question marks, right? I mean, um, Shane McClanahan, uh, Pablo Lopez, Shane Boz, how, how many innings can, can you really anticipate from, from all of them? You know, a lot of these guys kind of have their question marks. So, yeah, we went Verlander and then, yeah, Ivaldi uh, came around to us. And from a skills perspective, skills wise, Ivaldi is up there, man. He's got an impeccable walk rate. You know, the whip's going to be good. Um, you know, strikeouts has a good wide arsenal with, uh, you know, gets uh, 16% swinging strikes on, on uh, swinging strike percentage on three of his secondary pitches. I mean, from a skills perspective, he's on a good team. Uh, the only question mark is, yeah, will the health come back to bite him? I mean, he had a good full healthy season here. So, yeah. And another one. Yeah, where, that was the thing. You know, I, sorry, the, I was wrong. 2015. This, 2015 was the last season that Ivaldi threw 150 innings prior to this year. So that's yeah. why it's I like mean, I'm not questioning the talent. I'm questioning the fit. I'm questioning the fit of this of that pick, given that you took Verlander the round before. No, that was we're gonna pick. need. Yeah, we're gonna need to fill this this team with some inning eaters. Um, you know, down the line a bit. But I think that goes back to where we took Presley and Chapman. You know, all those spots in the 200s where we would be taking a chance on the Dylan Floros and Jake McGee's and um you know all, all those, those guys types, yeah we could be taking the the inning eaters that we need right we could be filling in with our sps five six seven we don't need to take any uh, a lot of shots on the speculative save so i mean we still got a ways to go but i mean Webb, verlander Ivaldi, yeah there's some risk but I, I think we feel pretty good about it now going back to what you mentioned how i took marcus stroman from you guys suck it was because <laughs> um I took Pablo Lopez, so a little bit of my homer came out. But again, I'm looking at it like strikeouts are hard to come by in this format, right? Like you can't just stream strikeouts. You can't just all that good stuff. So, um, of course, my computer's acting up. So I decided to take Lopez because I know there's some strikeout upside there. I know there's injury risk. So I'm like, crap, I just did it again. I took Chris Sale, fixed it with Barrios. Took Pablo Lopez. I'm like, <laughs> I got to do this. I was like Marcus Stroman. And the reason why I feel Marcus Stroman is safe, I mean, we'll see how... Wrigley Field plays for him. I do like Horner and Madrigal 
glove wise. I don't know about Horner's arm, but we talked about that a little bit. But either way, um, Strowman has started 32 games in four of his last five full seasons. I say that because he skipped out in 2020 altogether. So, um, in his last four out four out of his last five seasons, he's started at least 32 games. So I was like, that's as good quality as you get, you know. And and he's he's still young, young enough. He's like 30. So I trust him to give me those innings. So it's like. I put a hole in my boat with Sale. I, I patched it with Berrios. I put another hole with Pablo. I patched it with Stroman. The problem I kept doing with by doing that, by feeling that I need to secure a guy to back up my injury risk, was I kept waiting on closer, and it cost me Kimbrel, who fell there. And honestly, I don't think Kimbrel should have been there, but I really didn't want to leave that round with Kimbrel over Stroman because I was comfortable grabbing who I ended up grabbing in the 10th is Gregory Soto. I'm like, mm-hmm. Soto is my fallback uh, SP2, uh, RP2, sorry. I don't want, I, I don't mind him. He's already been told he's the closer. That could change. Anything can change. We're in December right now. But I feel comfortable with him as my RP2 to back up Romano. And we talked about it before Blake Trinan was taken by one of these teams. They, there was four teams in this league without a single closer. And now there's, now there's still three. And I took Soto over Doval, which isn't common at all. But I don't trust. I don't trust the Giants. I no, I, I yeah, I, I get <laughs> that for that. sure. Yeah, and but but to give you an idea, like Trinum was taken, Corey Knebel was taken before Soto, and that blew my mind. Um, and Doval, Doval went after Trinum, after uh, Knebel. I was like, holy geez, like Corey, yeah, it's weird because. Corey- <laughs> Knable was taken in the ninth, with this, which is just incredible. I mean, before Kimbrel, you, you really, you're really taking them for the the Phillies for their word, right? I mean, you really have to believe them at this point that they're not going after a closer. I mean, that, that's uh, it's a little. It, it, it was little definitely, silly. it was definitely. We we talked about it, like, wow, that was like really that, that caught so off guard. And it wasn't that he was taking like I expected him to go with like in this nine through twelve range. It was the fact that he went before Kimbrel, Soto, and I think Doval. As much as I questioned Doval, I do think Doval belongs with Soto. Like in that, okay, these guys should have the job, but we're not one hundred percent sure. But I feel comfortable with Soto because they've caught and said it. But Kimbrel, I think we all pretty much feel like he's pretty much a secure thing. And Knebel went ahead of all three, and that kind of threw us off. And then Blake Trinan went ahead of Duvall, which really threw me off. Um, but, I mean, it's early. Trinan has the job right now. He's going to be good in it if he actually keeps it. But um, yeah. you guys finished – you guys are coming up now, and you guys finished out your last round right now. The last round pick was Reese Hoskins. So, yeah. I guess you're, you're kind of like me. Like, you focused on speed a little bit. You kind of – we built a very similar team, by the way. Yeah, a very similar team because we both focused on like speed and you know batting average early. And now you took Hoskins, which is a question mark for batting average, but gave you that power. I took Grandall, kind of the same idea, different positions. So now you guys have Hoskins. You guys are bank- banking on the bounce back. I'm assuming he wasn't really the top choice for us there. Um, there were a few other guys. We really wanted Jay Cronenworth, who went two picks before us. Uh, we love the positional flexibility from him. Give us that first baseman, throw in some stolen bases there as well. And then we were talking about another innings eater, and that the guy that we were targeting was Erod, along with Stroman, and we missed out on both of them. So, <laughs> Erod did go like two picks before you, <laughs> three so picks before Those you. two picks hurt uh, pretty good. But yeah, we ended up settling on Reese Hoskins. We needed to fill first base. We feel like he definitely could add some counting stats in a, a strong Philly lineup, batting behind Harper, um, getting on base a ton, scoring a lot of runs. So I think we're comfortable with with Reese Hoskins there in the tenth. But yeah, I mean, yeah. 
there were a couple of other guys we really wanted there. So you can't be too bummed with Hoskins, I guess. I really so, like Hoskins personally. I mean, career high barrel rate, seventeen percent barrel rate, career high hard hit rate, career high max EV. I mean, his problem's always been, you know, too many fly balls. You know, is going to suppress that BABIP, and like you said, that batting average. But if he can hit two fifty, uh, that's not necessarily hurting you so much these days. So, uh, and I, and I think there's, you know, there's forty homer potential there in a, in a good lineup, produce a ton of counting stats. So I made my pick. Yours is going to – I will not post this podcast until you make your next pick, but do you guys want to sh- – you don't have to, but do you want to share your top target right now? Because it's one, – no one's going to hear this until after it's made. I promise. So we got three picks to go until us. Um, I think the top guy in our queue – I mean, we talked about this guy the last turn. Uh, he's yeah. still out there. I don't want to jinx it, but <laughs> we were talking about Glaber Torres. Um yeah, he round. was he, he's crossed my mind too. I just can't afford to keep passing <laughs> passing on outfielders. Like I'm like, oh like I took the catcher, but if you look at my team, I have one outfielder. We have five outfield squads. I might be in trouble there. <laughs> yeah, you guys have gotta fill that too. We have two outfielders. Uh um, it's just crazy. This 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 draft is nuts because closers kind of flew up and then some of them and then you then you have speed that flew up. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel. I feel like there's value right now in certain spots. There's a starting pitcher feels deep in my opinion. I'm just kind of throwing out random last thoughts here. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that Glaber kind of makes it to us here. I mean, he stole 14 bags last year and 459 at bats. Um, I think with a full-time move to second base, which is what it sounds like is going to happen, whether they go big and sign somebody like Correa or they just go short term with a guy like Simmons or Urshela until the prospect uh, Volpe comes up. Um, it sounds like he's probably going to get second base eligibility pretty soon. Um, so I think that's something that's intriguing to us. Um, there's yeah, a lot I mean, of upside only, with him, too. Yeah, well, he's only 24. 25 years old. Yeah, twenty, about to be 25. He's about to turn 25 years old on the 13th. Uh, 28 barrels last year with only nine home runs. I mean, I, I feel like he probably should have had at least 15, 16 home runs if, uh, with 28 barrels. Um underperformed just kind of across the board his expected stats so yeah i mean this is a 25 year old kid who i I think is prime for for a bounce back um steamer hasn't projected for 23 homers 14 steals 269 batting average um even if you take off a couple homers there you just call it to say 20 even if it's like 20 and 12 and 260 i think that's just fine here with multiple with you know that second shortstop eligibility now, the reason to be optimistic on Torres, which I found myself being up a little optimistic, is if you look at his splits, first half, 317 play appearances, he hit just three home runs, did steal six bases, but was again, he, he wasn't very efficient on the base paths. So if he can give you 10 or get us to get anybody 10, I think I'd be good with 10 stolen bases, honestly, because then in the second half, he was eight for 12. So again, not very efficient. Um, but in yeah, just got but, but 100 in, in, in 118 less plate appearances, he had twice as many home runs in the second half and had more steals. So he was more aggressive on the base path as well as hitting for more power in the second half with less uh, uh, plate appearances. And what you saw happen was he was more aggressive at the plate in the first half. He had an 11.4 percent walk rate. Uh, Glaber Torres, I'm talking about uh, second half, only a 7% walk rate while sustaining a roughly a 20% strikeout rate. So he wasn't being as passive, which might have proven to be 
part of the issue. He ended up posting a 115 WRC plus, which is 15% above average um, compared to our 81 WRC plus in the first half. So Torres really kind of started picking it up. There was, I think there was one more thing too with Torres in the first half in the second half, he hit less ground balls, uh, more line drives, which explains the gains in batting average. And Torres was, it seems like he wasn't forcing it. Like in the first half, you, Oh, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong splits, but it still stands. He still hit less ground balls, more line drives in the second half. But what I want to look at was the fact that he was more of like an all-fields hitter. He was pulling the ball more so in the first half, so maybe he wasn't forcing it as much because, you know, he was pulling at 39%. It dropped to 35.7%. So Torres, it just happens to be a guy I looked into, and I was like there were some changes that kind of went with the increase in production. So maybe getting back to second base where he's comfortable that would make sense as to why, because he was playing second base down the stretch too, if I remember correctly. That could help yeah. explain why he had a stronger, better second half and why we could expect better 2022 for Glover Tour. But yeah. That was a, that was a nice little yeah. breakdown. I'm yeah, nervous. Zach Gallen just got picked. We've got <laughs> two picks to go. The guy right mm-hmm. before us is on auto, and I just want to know who this team is going to pick. <laughs> well, oh, and both these guys could use a shortstop. Stop or it. second baseman. Sorry, they mm-hmm. both use second baseman, right? He's not what a color second, second baseman base. just yet. Nope. Second so base he, is orange. He's still a shortstop then. Yeah, that's. Wait, I'll tell you right now. What's his eligible? I can't. My my screen's frozen. I can't even get back to the page that we're that we're talking on. <laughs> both oh these goodness. teams could use a second baseman, but Torres is not second base yes. eligible just yet. So I don't know if that helps them, but I don't know. Well, and you have to. Um, how much is it in season? Ten games for in season or twenty still? I don't know. Uh, NFC ten, is. ten games. Ten games in season. Twenty games to carry. That's over. A, it's like a week and a half of games. That's nothing. Ten starts. Yes, or ten. No, I think just ten games played. I don't know if you have to start there. Not sure how that works. But either way, he'll start. He should start from day one from second at second base. This guy's not green anymore. God damn. All right. Yeah. On that note, you well, guys are Glaber is waiting. at the top of our list. I mean, is there anybody else, George, that we're that we're eyeing here that no, you want I mean, to talk I, about? <laughs> no, I mean at this point, um, we can maybe you, take our third baseman and Cabrian Hayes. Wanna, um, you guys should. You guys should go ahead and take a chance on Lance McCullers. Just a pair with <laughs> Verlander Neovaldi. and that team you. build will just <laughs> fine. How about Kershaw? Did Kershaw finally go? Did Kershaw go, or is he still? I think he's, he's still, still here, right? Gosh, that's so upsetting. There's no way. Are you even looking at? I guess, I guess we'll just real quick. Is he even on your draft board? Because he's off mine. No. How sad is that, man? I love Kershaw too. Watching oh, how the mighty awesome. have fallen. I know, man. It's nuts. All right, that's gonna do it for tonight. We made it through eleven rounds. Um, unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about, but I don't think there's much. Oh, back to let's talk about that last team with. <laughs> they added to their f- funness with. I, just, I don't think this team is so fun to. I, I'm gonna be rooting for this team, by the way. Outside of my team, I want this team to succeed. Acuna, Trout, Mondesi. We talk about Flaherty, Baez, Chisholm. Just to mention, Blake Snell's the SP2 with Logan Gilbert kind of mixed in as your 2 and 3 SP. Kyle Schwarber and, Fr- and Framel Reyes. So they have offense covered. They have three starters and no relief pitchers yet. So it's a very fun team. I'm thoroughly enjoying watching this team build. Not one <laughs> I would do, but man, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I'm really rooting for it. Screw you guys. I, if, I, if I don't win, I want them to win. Because then I could screenshot this team and, and send it to uh, Dave and be like, look, you could take risk and win, Dave. <laughs> no, this is this team. This team it's is a lot of so risk on far. the pitching side, too. I mean, well, we already talked about the offense. But, yeah, Flaherty hasn't been able to stay healthy for multiple seasons at this point. Gilbert, we still don't know what to expect. And Blake Snell is just a dumpster fire right now. Um, a lot and, of risk. 
name there's not name, a lot out there right now and no saves not a single opportunity yeah, save. no closers and most so of the very, good ones are gone at this point well so we think you know it's so so we don't know anything we think we know we have no, like we, 10 we teams know we know for sure yeah you know so much that you paired Verlander with Yavaldi. All right. That's, how, that's <laughs> going to do it for us tonight. You can follow us all on Twitter. Zach is at BrafZ. George at Roto underscore Nino. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. I haven't asked for one in a while, but if you guys are still listening, a five-star rating and review on the way out would be greatly appreciated. Just hit the five stars. You don't have to give a review. Just hit the five stars. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. That's all I got. Y'all have a good one. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll talk about the middle rounds that we're about to get into next time.